Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. It's good to be back to see each and every one of you. Seems like whenever we leave for a while, we've been gone for an eternity. At least on our end, it appears that way. Seems that way. And if I had it my way, I'd probably share with you some things with, uh, with regard to our last week's seminars. But the Father has something else in mind, so we're going to do what He would have done. This is Healing Week. You realize that. Sunday evening is our special healing service. We believe that God is concerned about people. And He's concerned about spirit, soul, and body. Not just salvation from spiritual death. He's also concerned about us spiritually, emotionally, physically, and in every way we could imagine and think of. He just loves us. Let's just put it like that. He just loves us. Say that with me. The Father loves me. Well, let's be scriptural about it. Let's say it this way. The Father Himself loves me. Because I believe in Jesus. Didn't Jesus say that? He ever walk around the house saying nobody loves me? <laughs> Don't answer that question. Well, somebody does. For God so loved the world. That includes each and every one of us. Say it with me again. For the Father Himself loves me. Amen. His love is upon us. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. We need to prepare for our special healing service. And what better way can we prepare our hearts other than going into God's holy word? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Our Father, we thank you for your holy written word. We thank you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for the Holy Ghost to live big within us this night, to unveil to us and to unfold unto our hearts the deep, rich treasures of your word. We thank you, dear Father God, for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds. And as an act of our will, we will be attentive. We refuse to be distracted. We will receive from your holy word. And I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth. In demonstration of the spirit of power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, once we've been saved, how many of you are saved? Are you saved? Well, then the Bible says here that we are to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because that's the will of God. Very often we want to determine what the will of God is for our lives. Well, make note of this, because here it is. Once we've been saved, it's the Father's will that we come unto the knowledge of the truth. All men He wants to be saved, and all men He wants to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, you say, why? Well, because our freedom depends upon it. That's one. Our freedom depends upon it. How many of you like being free? How many of you enjoy the liberty that you have to live as a free will agent in the United States of America, to work where you want to work, to worship where you want to worship, to live where you want to live, 
and just to do your own thing in life, pursue your own pursuits, and of course under God's guidance and all that. How many of you enjoy the freedom that you have? I know I do. I'm thankful. We don't know what it means to be in slavery or be in bondage, do we? We're thankful for the freedoms that we have. Well, you know what? We have many freedoms in Jesus. As a matter of fact, we can stand in the liberty where Christ has set us free, if we desire so. It's up to us. But our freedom depends upon our coming unto the knowledge of the truth. Notice here it says that God will have all men to be saved and also to come in unto the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because the knowledge of the truth is what makes us free. Look at John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. It is the knowledge of the truth that makes us free. Jesus said so. In John 8, 31 and 32, then, Jesus, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My Word. Now, I can just hear some saying out there, Well, now, we're going to do this again? Yes, we're going to do this again. Why? Because Jesus said, Continue. I said, Jesus said, Continue. Amen. Did you ever stop doing something, then you went back to it and just continued doing it? Picked up where you left off? We may have been gone for a while, but I'm just picking up where we left off. Amen. We have to pursue the right thing. We're going to continue in the things of God. Continue in the Word of God in particular. Here Jesus says, continue in my Word. Continue in it. There's a golden nugget. We've got to continue in it if we want God's best. Then are you my disciples indeed. Didn't Jesus say make disciples out of all nations? Students, discipline once, teach them. Teach them what? The Word. Why? Because once becoming disciples, Christians, believers, it is essential that we come unto the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because it's the knowledge of the truth that makes us free and keeps us free. Abiding in that truth is what keeps us free. And Jesus knew that. And that's why He said to those Jews which believed on Him. Say, I believe on Him. Well, they did too. And He had instruction for them. And what was that instruction? Continue in my word. Continue in my word. Continue in my word. Continue in my word. And if you'll continue in my word, then what will happen? And ye shall know the truth. See, we can't come to the full revelation of the truth without continuing in the word. Why? Because when we hear the truth of God's word for the first time, we only pick up on part of it. See, light is by degree. It's progressive. Those that say, well, I know all there is to know about healing. No, you don't. There's something wrong with that attitude of heart. You can't know everything there is to know about healing. See, if, if we did know everything there is to know about healing, well, then we'd be like God, wouldn't we? He knows everything about it. And we wouldn't be sick, would we? Because, you see, that's reality. When we have the reality of the truth, then we walk in it and we experience God's best. As long as we're not experiencing God's best, my suggestion is that we do what? Continue in it. Amen? Continue in it. And so we need to do this so that we can prepare ourselves for our Sunday night healing service and also to refresh ourselves in this all-important subject of God's Word. You shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth shall make you free. So we make note of this, that freedom from the power of sin, freedom from poverty, freedom from bondage, freedom from bad habits, freedom from worry, 
freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, freedom from all these pressures of life, freedom in every department of our being is a result or the result of coming unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, if that's the positive side of it, what would the negative side of it be? If we don't have the knowledge of the truth, then if we lack the knowledge of the truth, if we have lack of knowledge, then, of course, we'll be held in bondage or captivity. And didn't Hosea 4, 6 say, doesn't it say that my people perish or my people are destroyed? Why? For the lack of knowledge. Not because the devil's so big. Not because he's so strong and tough. Not because sickness and disease are so powerful. He said, no. But my people, God's people, that is, they are destroyed or they're put in bondage or they perish for the lack of knowledge. And that's why Jesus says here, if you're my disciple, if you're my student, if you're my follower, then it's essential that you continue in my word. Why? Because the knowledge of the truth shall come unto you and that's what's going to make you free. And as I said, it's progressive. It's progressive. We have to maintain a teachable spirit because our spirit man is not always ready to receive all the light that there is on a subject when it first hears it. It has to come to us in a progressive way. We understand more about the subject and more about the subject. And once we're able to digest what we receive and and walk in the light of what we have, then more light comes. And just when you think you know all there is to know about that certain subject... Something happens and you're knocked back and you start finding out that, my goodness, there's a whole lot more that I need to know about that subject. Have you ever been there? Certainly. You see, the Bible's progressive revelation. Light is progressive. And that's why Jesus told his disciples when he's about to depart, I have a lot more to say to you. But it's going to require the ministry of the Spirit to come and unveil these things to you so that you can have a proper perception of those things and understand those things. If I told them to you right now, the light would be so glorious you wouldn't be able to receive it. So just hang in there. Continue in my word. When he comes, he'll begin to unveil to you the truth. He'll guide you. He'll be your travel guide. He'll teach you. He'll instruct you. He'll show you things to come. He'll reveal to you Future events, he'll also remind you of things that I've spoken and said. He'll be your teacher. He'll be your guide. So it's important that we continue in God's Word. Why? So that the Holy Spirit has something to work with in our lives. You see, beloved, God works by His Spirit through the Word. The Word must have preeminence as we are led and guided by the Spirit of God. And if we'll put God's Word first and foremost within our lives and believe that He'll quicken us according unto His Word by His Spirit, then the Spirit of God will take the light that we have and cause it to become brighter and brighter and brighter. The path of the righteous is as the shining light that shines brighter and brighter more and more unto the perfect day, unto the day of full maturity. And so you see, if we'll just continue in these things, then he's, He tells us, we'll gain the revelation of the knowledge of the truth that we need to have to maintain our freedom, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, whatever the case is. So, beloved, that's exactly what we need to do. Continue in God's Word so that we can know the truth that makes us free. So, we can say then, freedom from sickness and freedom from disease and freedom from mental anguish and torment and freedom from all these other things that we've talked about that come against us, that war against our minds and all that, is the result, now notice, of knowing the truth and standing fast in the truth. It's the result of knowing it 
and standing fast in it. For you know that we will be opposed. You know that for sure. Whenever anyone receives any kind of revelation, immediately cometh the enemy to do what? To take that away from him. Because he knows that if it finds its place within the heart of the child of God, then that child of God is going to be free in that area of his life. Amen. So, there's the warfare. We're fighting to stay in the Word and keep the Word protected within our heart. And the enemy, the evil one, is fighting against us to get the Word out of our hearts because he knows that it's not you, it's not me, but it's the Word in our lives that makes us successful. It is the Word in our lives that produces freedom. Now, I don't know about you, but I like being free. Do you like being free from sickness? I said, do you like being free from pain and torment and all that? Nobody enjoys pain. Nobody enjoys physical discomfort, disease. No one enjoys that. Well, God has provided for us a way to be free from it. And thank God we can study it, find it out for ourselves, learn the knowledge of the truth that makes us free, and be free and maintain that freedom. So we can say that it's a result of knowing the truth and standing fast in it. It is not the result of, and I think we need to note this, make note of this, whether in your heart, your mind, or write it down on a piece of paper so you can have it for future reference. But it's not a result of prayer. It's not a result of the anointing with oil. It is not the result of the laying on of hands. It is not the result of the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, gifts of healings in, in that. It's not the result of that. See, those are avenues. Those are methods, are ways through which we release faith in the Word or release faith in the truth or through which God works, but we do not receive permanent help, permanent freedom or deliverance by those methods or by those ways. There are ways through which we release faith in the knowledge of the truth, in the message, not in the method. So it's important we understand that. When it comes to the healing of our physical bodies, when it comes to deliverance for our minds, it's not the result of prayer, anointing with oil, laying on of hands. Those are methods, those are ways, means through which we release faith in the knowledge of the truth or the message of the gospel. See, God has His ways, God has His methods, God has His means. Man has His ways, man has His methods. Man has his own means. And we have to separate the two and begin to do an exhaustive study of God's ways, which are higher than man's ways. God's thoughts, which are higher than God's thoughts. Align ourselves with God's ways. Align ourselves with God's thoughts. Look into his methods. Cooperate with his methods. And the result then will be, we'll find ourselves walking in divine health and also in healing. And if we need healing, we'll get healed. If we need to walk in divine health or if we enjoy walking in divine health, I believe that's provided for us also. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 11. And make note of the fact that health and healing is the work of faith with power. Health and healing is the work of of faith with power. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 11, health and healing 
is the work of faith with power. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. Healing is a part of the pleasure of God's goodness. You say, how do you know that for sure? Well, the Bible says, Oh, that men would praise Him for His goodness and wonderful works unto the children of men. Psalms 107. Verse 21. But in verse 20 it says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them of their afflictions. He sent His word and did what? Healed them and delivered them from their afflictions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His what? For His goodness. Everybody say, God is good. And we should praise Him for His goodness. Amen. See, God is good, and we should praise Him for His goodness. And if we will praise Him for His goodness, then I believe that God will be good to us. Do you see that? God is good, and men should praise Him for His goodness. And if we'll praise Him for His goodness, then in that praise, God will show Himself to be good in our lives. But I want you, wanted you to see the fact that healing is a part of the pleasure of God's goodness. And it says right here that God wants to fulfill in all of us the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. Healing is the work of faith with power. That's what it is. Whether it's walking in health or whether it's walking in healing, it is the work of faith with power. Now, wait a minute. I thought it was the work of medical science. No, I thought it was the work of eating properly and all that. Well, we thank God that we can eat properly and we thank God for medical science. But if we want to walk in health and if we want to be assured of our healing when we need it, then we've got to learn God's ways and His methods. We've got to understand the knowledge of the truth and separate what is spiritual from what is physical or natural or carnal. In other words, we have to separate God's ways from man's ways. Put that which is spiritual, spiritual, and that which is physical, physical, and leave the two be. See, God works in the realm of the spirit. God does not work in the realm of the natural. When healing comes to us through divine means or methods, it is all spiritual. We thank God uh, for all that man has done in medical science in that field to gain the knowledge that he has. But that by no means is a method of God. That is not the way of God. That's not God's divine method or means of producing health and healing in our bodies. And that's something, I believe that's a strong message that we need to get across. That we need to understand. That we need to perceive. Because we live in a day and age that men have developed more faith, even in the Christian world, in the wisdom of men and less faith in the power of God. Sad, but it's true. That's what has happened. And that's why, you see, we have our work cut out for us when it comes to the, to the ministry of healing. God's divine methods and God's divine means. Because, you see, we've got to deprogram and reprogram ourselves to have faith, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And once again, we'll never belittle the work of man. We thank God what He can do. But, beloved, we have to call spiritual things spiritual. 
and we have to call physical things physical. And man can only help in the physical realm. Now notice this. If man helps, he helps in the physical realm. He helps nature. He helps to assist the healing virtues that God has already placed within the body through natural means. Not through supernatural means. And so what man does is limited to the realm of the natural or to the realm of the physical. And that's so important that we understand that. See, that's part of coming to the knowledge of the truth. What man does to assist the body in being healed or in remaining healthy is of natural origin. It is not of supernatural origin. That is something that we have got to pound down deep into our spirit, man, so that we can understand and know it. God is a spirit. We are spirit beings. Divine healing is spiritual. It is God dealing with man's spirit. God does not heal our physical bodies directly by His Word in the physical realm. He starts with our spirit. Our contact with Him is in the spirit. And when we make vital contact with Him in the spirit, then His power can flow from our spirit through our soul to make vital contact with our physical bodies and then healing is the result or it is produced within our lives. So, beloved, it's something that we need to get a hold of. Get down deep into our spirit, man. That God's method, God's means, God's ways are spiritual. Not physical. Not natural. Does that mean we should never use man's way? No, it doesn't say that. We've never taught that. Use all the help you can. Because they're fighting the same thing we are, sickness and disease. But there comes a time in all of our lives that we have to recognize the limitations of man. And also we have to make a distinction between healing and health and the removal of body parts. I do not call the removing of a vital body organ healing. Do you? I said to you. No, I don't call that healing. I call that removing a body part. That's not healing. That's removing. And there's a big difference. A vast difference. No, if, you see, God had His way in the matter, and if God's will and good pleasure was done in the matter, then by the power of the Spirit through the Word, what would happen? That vital organ that was removed because that was the limitation of man, it would have not needed to be removed, God would have supernaturally, by His power, assisted that organ in being healed. But you see, here's the limitation. Man has limited knowledge, and he cannot provide anything further to produce health and healing in that organ, in that body. He cannot come up with something that would be powerful enough to assist the body in driving out that sickness or driving out that disease. So he knows that that sickness or that disease will destroy that body. The person will die. So his next best thing to do is to remove it to spare that person's life. Do you see that? Why? Because he's limited. And I'm going to say it to you just like this. Can we be bold and blunt about it? The body itself, because of sin, is limited. See, if man never sinned, there wouldn't have been any sickness. So since sickness is the product of, of sin, it's because of sin, it's the result of sin, 
then obviously healing must start in the spiritual realm. Do you see that? The body then is vulnerable to sickness and disease because of sin, not because of sickness and disease. So it's because of the spiritual condition of man, the physical condition of man exists. If man did not fall, he would have never gotten sick. So it's obvious that unless it's dealt with spiritually, there cannot be enough healing virtue within the physical body to overcome all the sicknesses and all the diseases that are out there that try to destroy our lives. Why? Because the origin of it all is not physical. It is spiritual. And that should be easily understood. But sometimes we forget that. But beloved, if that's the case, if that be true, then shouldn't we all understand the necessity for our entering into diligence when it comes to studying God's ways and methods? Because no matter what man comes up with, there's always something out there that can destroy our lives. And he will never, ever be able to produce a cure for every sickness and disease. Because the origin of it all is not physical or natural. And he's limited to natural things. So it's obvious it's impossible. And that's why when you run up against a sickness, a sickness or disease that's terminal, what he's saying is this. We have not discovered something powerful enough to inject into the physical body that will enable the body to drive that thing out. If we had something of that nature, we would use it. But we don't have it. Thank God for all the advancements. Thank God for all that. But beloved, they're limited. And let's get back over into God's way. God has a cure for every sickness. God has a cure for every disease. God has a cure for every hurt. God has a cure for anything and everything that we can face in life. But because, for the most part, the body of Christ has been so lax when it comes to studying, investigating diligently God's ways and God's methods, we just lay back and let others take care of our problems. Now, you can say amen or oh my, but that's what the body of Christ has done. Our faith should rest not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of who? In the power of God. In the ability of God. In other words, God has something that can drive out that sickness. God has something that can cure that disease. God has a power that is unseen yet tangible that if applied to a sickness or a disease inside the human body can not only drive it out on its own, but also, if God chooses, assist the body. It can energize the already existing virtues placed by God within the physical body to drive that thing out, no matter what it is. God has done that. He has provided that for us. He has that power. He has that ability. But when it comes to the understanding of it, when it comes to the knowledge of it, we are severely lacking. Now, I'd be the first to admit that, would you? I'd be the first to admit that. 
Do you know all there is to know about the miracle working power of God? In its control, in its operation, in its channeling and usage? No, we're tapping into it. We're learning more about it. And I'll tell you what, I thank God for the revelation that we have here right now. I am extremely thankful for what we have already learned here right now. You know what? I believe we have a good foundation. And bless God, we can build upon that foundation. And we can grow and grow and grow until we build a spiritual edifice by the power of God in all of our lives that we can drive out all these other inhabitants of the land that have no right to exist, whether it's in our physical body or our mind. You know what? God has given us a domain where we can reign as kings in the realm of life by one Christ Jesus. And you know where that's at? First and foremost, in our spirit, soul, and body. We are the keepers of our bodies. We are the caretakers of our physical bodies. And God has made us kings in this earth to reign and rule over the circumstances of life. To drive out these foreign inhabitants to keep ourselves free from their powers, free from their abilities, free from their strengths, so that our minds do not have to be dominated by their suggestive thoughts, so that we do not have to be oppressed within our minds, so that our bodies can be free from the pain, free from the sickness, free from the disease, where we can be free from the evil habit that holds us in bondage from that addiction, whatever the case may be, free from the worry, free from the anxiety, free from the turmoil, free from the fear. God has provided us with this power, with this authority. It's all ours. But, beloved, what keeps us from experiencing the fullness of it is a lack of knowledge. And that means the, the, the lack of knowledge with regard to its channeling, its control first, its channeling, its proper usage and operation. See, healing, deliverance, all these things, they are the work of faith with power. And God does good things in our lives through this operation of faith with power. And I firmly believe that before we ever get off of studying all these other subjects of the Bible, you know what? First and foremost, the people of God should learn how to operate in this law of faith with power. Until we are so close in our union and communion and contact with the Father God that we rise up to a place where we can reign with Him and rule with Him in the realm of life as kings. Where we can rise up high above the clouds of adversity in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus over all that law of sin and death. You know, that's why Jesus died. I said that's why Jesus died. That's why He gave up His life. So that we can enjoy these things. So that we can experience these things. But you see, beloved, we've not taken them to heart as we should. Oh, I just want to stir up within us excitement in our spirits. So that we can have within us a zeal toward God. That would lead us into a diligent study of His Word. Until we are filled with and filled full of the, the Word of God to such a degree that the Spirit of God has something to work with when, within all of our lives to lead us, to guide us, and to direct us in all that we need to be led in, guided in, directed in, so that we can maintain our spiritual freedom. And not just spiritual freedom, spiritual, emotional, and physical. Do you want that for your life? 
Beloved, we should all desire to have that within all of our lives. And you know, that's really what our vision is here at this church, isn't it? Let's just say it in a nutshell. We're tired of being overcome by the enemy. We're tired of playing around with the things of God. We want to have reality with the living God. We want to enjoy and experience the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ in reality. We want to reign as kings in the realm of life by one Christ Jesus, not with arrogance, but in all humility. Experiencing these joys that He has provided for us because He loves us so much. It's His good pleasure to give us all these good things. Make note of it. Healing is the operation of the work of faith with power. And whether or not we, whether, whatever we need, whether it's health, make note of this also, or whether it's healing. Health or healing. Whatever we need. If we want to stay in health or if we have need of healing. How many of you are well right now? You feel good. Your body's okay. Well, wouldn't you like to enjoy that and stay in that? See, we have to set our sights even higher. Let's enjoy our health. I'm just going to be bold and say it. So many want to live in the 90th Psalm thinking that God has provided 70 or 80 years until they finally get acquainted with the 91st Psalm and find out that God says, with long life will I satisfy them and show them my salvation. But I'll tell you what, it was, my spirit was overflowing and filled with and full of joy when I read the 92nd Psalm and the 92nd Psalm that says, when you're old, you'll be full of sap. A sap-happy Christian. Just a sap-happy Christian. Full of sap. Full of strength. Full of vitality. Full of vigor. You know what, beloved? It's out there. It's for us. It's attainable. It's achievable. He wouldn't have said it if he didn't mean it. He says, when you're ripe old in a ripe old age, you'll be useful in the kingdom of God. You'll be as the cedar of Lebanon, full of strength and health. That's not a picture of disease and sickness. What is that a picture of? Continued abiding Health. As Caleb said, I know that he was one of a few. One of a few that made it all that way. But praise God, if one could make it, if two can make it, we can make it. Isn't that our attitude? We can do it, praise God, for it belongs unto all of us. He said, I'm 85 years old now. See, we think about 85 years old. You're old. You can hardly move around. You can hardly walk. Beloved, 85 years old, he said. I was 40 when the Lord gave me the word. It took 45 years for it to come to pass. But you know what? I've held fast to my confession of faith without wavering unto the end. And right now it's time for me to take my mountain. You think there weren't giants in the land then? There were giants in the land then. You think there wasn't forces of opposition then? There were forces of opposition then. But praise God, he said, I've maintained my life of faith. The same spirit that I had then I have in me. Why do you think he said I have my strength? Why do you think he said, I've got vitality? Why do you think he said, I'm I'm full of power and ability? Because he had the same spirit. Because he maintained the same spiritual attitude. He said, by my God, give me the mountain. I'm 85 years old. I've got the strength to go out there and do battle and to do war. Moses said, Moses' eyes were not dim. His natural force is not abated. Glory be to God. At 120 years old. See? What we inject into our spirits. See, words are containers of life. And by what degree we understand the knowledge of the truth is by what degree we'll have life. Get a hold of that golden nugget. If you set your heart to thinking that you have to die at 70, what I'm saying is this. You will. 
But if you set your heart to believe in that, praise God, I've got strength in God, I can go on. And I'm setting my, my sights to 120. Go on. You say, that sounds so far-fetched. People, there are people living on this earth today, right now, over 100 years old. And you know what? I wonder how many of them know God. I know there are those that said, I, I attribute my longevity, my long life, to reading God's Holy Word every day. And I praise Him for it. Don't you? But you see, what I'm saying is words are containers. We've got to turn to another scripture while we're saying it. Hebrews, book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 3. Words are containers. What we put within our hearts, our spirit, with words, is what will ultimately be produced in our lives. See, we have to understand that. Our believing must be accurate. If we are inaccurate in our faith and we feed that inaccuracy of the knowledge of the truth into our spirit, man, our spirit will be programmed to produce a certain degree of life. Did you get a hold of that? I believe you're still out there. Are you still out there? What we feed into our spirit in word form will be produced in our lives. By what degree of accuracy we feed the knowledge of the truth into our spirit is by what degree of life our spirit man will produce. And so if we program our spirit man to believe that it must die, that we must, the physical body must die at the age of 70, then we'll just go on and, and, and live into the age of 70 and just depart from this place. Because it'll be programmed. But if we feed our spirit man with the 92nd Psalm, the 92nd Psalm, and get it down to our hearts and believe. I'm not talking about just, you know, ascending to it. I'm not talking about just mimicking or echoing somebody else. I'm talking about with all seriousness. I'm talking about with, with all diligence. That we look to what that word says. And not because the pastor said it. Not because brother so-and-so said it. Not because a sister so-and-so said it. But because we sought the Lord. Because we diligently looked into God's holy word. And we saw for ourselves that this is a provision God has made for His children. Then we'll have a level of expectancy within our spirit that will begin to rise up. And you know what? The older we get, I don't believe we've got to get to where we don't feel good. I'll be the better we're going to feel. Can I give you something that'll just be an eye-opener and a shocker? I believe the older we get physically, the stronger we should get spiritually. And the stronger we get spiritually, the better we'll feel physically. Do you get that? Well, if it's based on spiritual things and we get stronger spiritually, shouldn't it affect us in a positive way naturally? Absolutely. Wouldn't it be nice just to have a VCR way back when and have Joshua stand, sit back there and just start filming Caleb? <laughs> Man, get a hold of that tape and put it, <laughs> go home every night and just, just watch old Caleb. I can just see what someone else will be saying. He's 85 years old. He's 85 years old. I believe we have a kid. Look at Brother Adams over there. Amen? Amen. <laughs> what have you set your sights for? 
Amen. The most that you can get, praise God, and that's what we should do. But can you see that? Can you, see, you can just see the man. You can just see Caleb. He had another spirit. Well, where did he get it? He got out of the Word. He got it out of the Word. He kept his focus on the Word. He kept his attention upon what God said. And he said, I know there are giants out there. I know there are those that are designed out there by the enemy for my failure, my defeat. But I want you to know I kept my eyes on God. I have another spirit inside me. It is the spirit of a conqueror. I can overcome through my God. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my right arm of salvation and deliverance. And I am able to overcome, not because I'm somebody, but because my God is somebody. And he's stronger, more powerful than all the enemy put together. And that's what he kept his sight on. That's what he kept his focus on. And beloved, those words that he spoke were containers of spirit life that lifted up his expectations, his level of expectations. He actually had the audacity to believe that God would move upon him in such a way that he would enable him to overcome all those giants in the land at the age, yes, of 85. And he did it. And God did it through him. Do you see that? Glory to God, what a truth. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, and upholded all things by the word of His power. He upholds and amplified, propels, sustains all things by the word of His power. How does He uphold, propel, and sustain all things? By the word of His power. Well, in other words, the word of His power upholds, propels, and sustains even the universe. The universe, all the world, all that He has created, all that He has made is sustained, propelled, upheld by the Word of His power. Notice, it's the work of faith, and faith comes from the Word with power. The Word of His power. Those two forces working together, the Word and power, faith and power, working together. A mighty force by God, created by God, of God, is God. It flows out from God. They work together to uphold all things. Well, beloved, if God can uphold all things in the universe in which we live by the work of faith with power, by the word of faith, word of faith and power, then you can rest assured and be guaranteed of the fact that He upholds, He sustains, and propels all things in our lives by the work of of faith with power. Do you see that? Do you see why it's essential that we for ourselves get the Word of God into our spirit? Because if we want the forces of life to be propelled, if we want them to flow out of our spirit, if we want to be upheld and sustained in our lives, this is how God does it. This is the way that God does it. See, it's not in the method. It's not in, 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 the, in the means through which God worked. It's the faith that we have in the message, in the knowledge of the truth. That's where faith comes from. There's two signs to this. And then also we must believe or cooperate. Let's put it this way. We must have faith in the, in the knowledge of the truth, okay? But secondly, we must also have cooperation. We must cooperate with the operation Faith with power. We must cooperate with the power of God, is what it's saying. This is how God does it. This is how God sustains, propels, and upholds us, whether it's in spirit, soul, or body. It's this operation. In other words, we can't look to something else. But we've been distracted. Our attention has been far removed from God's ways and God's methods. 
And so we've developed faith in other ways and other methods. And consequently, when, when we come and try to do what God would have us to do, you see, we don't have the accurate knowledge or the understanding. And what happens is we're not producing out of our spirit enough life. And that's why God wants us to maintain a spirit-filled life. Well, I don't know, but I can go on all night tonight, I think. No, I don't think I know. Let's look at... How much time do we have? Find two scriptures. Romans chapter 10 and Isaiah chapter 10 also. Romans chapter 10 and Isaiah chapter 10 also. If we desire health, if we desire healing, then we have to know that our need is met in the operation of faith with power. If we're going to have faith and power working together within our lives, then we have to know how to get faith and we have to understand the operation of God's power. How to receive it. We have to understand how to channel it or control it first and channel it and properly use it. We have to understand both. Faith, how it comes, and power, how it operates. And that's essential. Actually, my desire would be, you know, like we're having this Sunday night healing service. And you know what happens? People come to the Sunday night healing service, but they don't come to other services to get a hold of the knowledge of the truth. And when you get into a Sunday night healing service, you cannot give everything that is needed to give when people come in. Do you see that? Oftentimes we'll bring in loved ones and that sort of thing. They'll come in and they want to come in and they just want you to pray for them and get it over with and let, you know, get them healed. But they don't want to give themselves over to the study of God's Word. They don't want to prepare their hearts or learn about the things of God with regard to the physical healing of the body. Let's put it this way. They don't want to become students of the subject of divine healing. And consequently, there's only a certain level of life that will be produced in their hearts when they come in here. And it's my desire when they come to those meetings to, to let's say, lift that level of, of faith in their heart where life can be produced to such a degree that for the moment or at that time they can receive what they need from God. But you can be guaranteed that if they don't continue to stay in the Word and learn about the operation of faith with power, that they can lose, possibly lose what they have and still will not know how to maintain permanent help within their lives. So you see, it is essential, beloved, when we go out as ministers of the Word to bring healing to a lost and dying world, that we understand these precepts and principles, and instead of just so quickly praying for people out there, we get a hold of their spirit, not their body. And say, look, I've got to talk to your spirit for a while and get some words of life injected inside their spirit man. And once those words enter into their spirit, then the Holy Ghost has something to work with. See? And then a level of life will be produced. And I'll tell you what, if you can get them not only saved and, and, and some of this knowledge in them, and then get them filled with the Holy Ghost, you know what level of life will be produced out of their spirit? Rivers! Rivers! Beloved, we are Pentecostal, Spirit-filled people. We should be walking around with an outflow of rivers of this life. Zoe. Fulfilled life, complete life, satisfied life, powerful life, God's life imparted to our spirits. We should be walking around with rivers of it, offering it to a lost and dying world. And Romans 10, 17 says that faith cometh how? How does it come? And hearing by the Word of God. 
And you know what we're doing right now? We are speaking forth God's Word. And as we hear God's Word unconsciously, whether we recognize it or not, faith is beginning to rise within our hearts. Because you cannot listen to what God has to say without extracting faith and drawing faith. Do you see that? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And what, two script, what scriptures can we use? Let's look at this. Just, you don't have to turn to it, but write it down. Psalms 107, verse 20, and Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. And I know that you know what they are, and I know that you know what they say. But in connection with health and healing, listen to what the Word says. This is with regard to health. They're two separate subjects now. Health and healing. Okay, with regard to health, Proverbs 4 says this. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings, let them not depart from thy eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life. They are what? They are life to those who find them. See, where they found, they have to be found. And they are health, health, a medicine, health. I want to say it this way. It is that which maintains bodily health under all of our flesh. His Word can act as a medication or as a medicine that is so powerful, I mean, unknown to mankind as far as in the flesh, unknown to the scientists, he can't see any power in it, but there is a powerful life in God's Word that provides that which is essential and necessary for us to maintain health within our physical bodies. But the words must be found. The words must be attended to. Make note of that. If God's words are found and God's words are attended to with regard to health, the Bible has a lot to say about longevity. It has a lot to say about health. If those words are discovered by the believer, if they are found and attended to, he he guarantees that there's enough power in those words, there's enough life in those words, there will be released a degree or a level of life out of those words, in those words, to produce health in the life of the child of God. Continuous, abiding health. But then again, on the other hand, Proverbs 107, verse 20, see, if our need is healing, that means we have something in our body that's contrary to life. Okay? Then what do we do? Psalms 107, verse 20 says, He sent His Word. Words are containers of life. But once again, those words must be attended to and found. Now listen, those words he sent, he sent his words, and the words did what? Say it with me. Healed them. See, delivered them from all part of, all of what? All their afflictions. Do you see how this does not belittle any work of man? But it does provide for us a new way. And if we can have the accurate, exact knowledge of the way the Word heals us and delivers us of all of our afflictions, then we would rise up to a place where that life that is in God's Word will flow out from us to provide what is necessary to bring our bodies into vital contact with His power to heal. And on the other hand, we get faith in God's power to produce health by finding the words that apply to health, looking them up, seeking them. See, they have to be found, and then attending to them. In other words, you can look in Proverbs, you'll find out some words, some scriptures, you know what they say? If you'll do this, it'll add length of days, long life, and health. Do you see that? 
See, that's what's going to provide that for us. So there are ways to have added years of life, added days of life. And so we have to look those up and discover that. Now, going back to Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, that'll be our last scripture. We'll close with that, although I have a whole lot more to say. You should know that. How many of you know that? Okay, I just want to see that you're still out there. Isaiah chapter 10. Very important. Very important scripture. I may sneak in, sneak in a, a few more. I'll quote them. You don't have to turn to them. Isaiah, ten, verse twenty-seven. Now notice, faith comes how? By hearing. It's the operation of faith with what? With what? Okay, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We have to know what the Word of God says. But I notice this, verse 27, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And the lack of knowledge is like a yoke of bondage. The, the lack of knowledge produces a yoke or allows the yoke to be produced in our lives. That's how the enemy works. Through our lack of knowledge. And when we don't know, we don't know. We can walk around with something that really doesn't belong to us because we don't know how to get rid of it. And through our lack of knowledge, God's people are what? Destroyed. But now notice this. Not only is it the work of faith, but it's the work of faith with power. And here it says, and the yoke shall be destroyed. Now we're talking about destroying that which was designed to destroy us. And we can say in this way, the yoke of fear, the yoke of sickness, the yoke of poverty, the yoke of turmoil, whatever the case is. That yoke of bondage is broken by the anointing. See, the anointing itself, in itself, will break the yoke of bondage. It'll break the yoke of sickness. And in our scriptural references, we found out in Luke uh, chapter 4 that Jesus was anointed. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. He was anointed to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captive. The recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty the bruised. To preach the year of acceptance in the Lord. So the anointing then does all these things. The anointing upon Jesus in his life enabled him to preach, enabled him to heal, enabled him to deliver, enabled him to recover, enabled him to accept, to bring acceptance, you see, in the lives of every person. But it's the anointing that had this effect upon his life and in the lives of people. So we find out that it's faith working together with the power of God to produce these things in our lives. Now, that was Jesus who was anointed when about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. But, beloved, in Acts 1.8, we are told, you shall receive what? When? After that, the Holy Ghost, the same Holy Ghost that was upon Jesus, that anointed Him, you shall receive power. You shall receive the anointing. You shall receive the miracle-working ability of God in your life to do the very works of Jesus. The same thing that Jesus did. And the, the anointing or the power of God is there by degree. Make, please make mental note of this. Write it upon the table of your heart. The anointing is by degree. 
the anointing to break the yoke of fear, the anointing to break the yoke of, of poverty, to break the yoke of sickness and disease, the anointing to break the yoke of bad habits and all that, the yoke is, the anointing rather, is by degree. If the people of God would learn how to, uh, to, to enhance the anointing of God in their lives, then the anointing can build and build and build and become more powerful and stronger and stronger until it will break the yoke of the power of sin, of the power of bad habits, of the power of fear, of the power of discouragement, of the power of anxiety, of the power of sickness, of the power of disease, of the power of everything and anything that would come our way. But we have to understand the operational power of God. And once again, we place too much stock in other remedies. And consequently, we have neglected to to continue in the Word to gain the knowledge of the truth that makes us free. And this is a part of it. And we have it in the infilling of the Holy Ghost and with power. But make a note of this also. That power is received by the believer. God will never give the Holy Ghost. As far as people won't receive the Holy Ghost. God has already given the Holy Ghost to every person, made it available. Let's put it that way. The potential to receive is out there for everybody. But God just does not push it upon somebody. That power must be, number one, received. Then once it's received, it must be secondly controlled. People get out of control when they get filled with the Holy Ghost sometimes because they don't know how to channel it. They don't know what to do with it. It must be properly channeled and properly used. And if we can understand those truths, then, beloved, it will be enhanced within our lives to achieve the purpose of God's will, which is to do what? To produce within us, well, whether it's health, healing. And let me just once again quote another scripture here. In Galatians chapter 6, verses you read right on through there, but verse 7 right on through 9, talks about that God is not mocked, is He? That what a man sows is what he also what? Reaps. In other words, what he puts into his life is what will be produced through his life. Is that understood? What he sows into the ground is what the ground will bring forth. Okay. To sow means... To set in motion through seed planting and environment. You ready for this truth? See, we're free by the knowledge of the truth, right? To sow means to set in motion. We can set in motion that which is spirit. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.